My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Neely Sproggett, he's the town braggart. He's always on about how he's got the biggest this and the best that. Just love my Ram 1500, says he. Voted number one by car and driver. What you tooling around in these days, Farmer Gray? We were on the checkout line at Clemmer's Value Food, and the lady at the front, Gertrude Walleen, was trying to pay with coupons. This slowed things down considerably because Clemmer's doesn't issue any coupons. The Piggly Wiggly in Zare County honors these, she tells proprietor Ethan Clemmer Jr. Why don't you? Because those coupons are from Piggly Wiggly, says Ethan. Anyway, I was stuck next to Neely, an irksome experience. You still got that F-150, says he? I mean, that model's okay for a boy, but is it really a truck for a man? It's fine for me, says I, trying not to show my ire. Yeah, well, I need a big cab, says Neely. What with all the young'uns I got? Some would say five big, healthy boys is too many, but I don't think it's nearly enough. Not when they're all doing so good in school and on the job and such. Why, my Jakey Joe, he's just been promoted to assistant manager of the seed co-op. Started out as a clerk replacing that no-account jailbird, but man, did he ever work his way up. And Palmer Lee, he's practically high school valedictorian, except for the 15 ahead of him. But that's pretty darn good, right? Then he says, say there, Farmer Gray, you got any kids? He knew, of course, that I'd know such, and he was pr- plainly trying to get my goat. No, says I, with strained politeness, I have none. The Lord did not bless us with offspring. Oh, that's too bad, says the oaf. Of course, it takes a special type to be daddy to a near half-dozen strapping boys. Not everyone is so capable, you see. And it's also why I've got the biggest house in town, just to accommodate the brood. At last, it was my turn at the cash register, where Ethan, he rang me up. Well, says I, congratulations on the truck, the boys, and the house. And then I started off with my grocery bags. Naturally, calls Neely as I headed for the door. I couldn't have done it all without my wife. She's the best and prettiest woman in town. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that stopped me in my tracks. Stopped me and forced me to turn slowly back to him so I could say, Matter of fact, Neely, that's where you're wrong, because I happen to be married to the best and prettiest woman in town, my beloved Elspeth. Oh, I don't doubt that she's a fine lady, says Neely, but ain't no gal in Trouveau who's a patch on my missus. She delivered them boys like it was nothing, and next day she was whipping up fried chicken and nursing at the teat, both at the same time. Can't beat that. Well, says I, if Elspeth had given birth, she'd have been up the next five minutes washing the towels and bric-a-brac from the delivery. That does sound like a champion wife, says Neely, if it had ever actually happened, which it didn't. Fact, didn't I hear she's still living in your storm cellar? She fears missile attack from the North Koreans, says I, steaming with his implication. So she is sheltered there these last two and a half years, yes. At this Neely says, and these were his exact words, Sounds a bit loco, don't it? Now he'd crossed a red line, and that quotation I'd learned in school, courtesy of Mr. Edgar Allan Poe, came back to haunt me. Twas the one that read, The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, 
but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. And so did I, for then and there, groceries still in hand, I said, Neely Sproggett, you have offended the honor of the finest woman I know. I therefore challenge you to a duel. A what, says Neely? A duel, says I, like in the old-time flickers, like Douglas Fairbanks and the great Earl Flynn. A duel, as in days of yore, to prove who's got the best danged wife in town. But how, says Neely, and with what? I, uh... I don't know, I admitted, but I'm going straight to the library and find out. And with that, I turned on my heel and left. Well, it so happens the shelves at the Zare County Public Library are notably thin on the subject of dueling, and the librarian gives you an odd look when you ask if she's got a how-to on the topic. So I drove over to my friend Davis McClyde's house, knowing him to be a resourceful fellow who might be able to dig up some answers. Well, he was only so too glad to help, because he has a very supportive nature. And all the while, he marveled at my bravado and challenging Neely. About time someone punctured his braggadocio, says he, as he typed dueling into his computer keyboard. And you are just the man to do it, Farmer Gray. Anyway, it wasn't long before we learned all about the noble art of single combat, how the first known duel in America was 400 years ago in Massachusetts Colony, and how in 1777, back in old Ireland, they solidified the rules in the Code Duello. Also, how, rather than noblemen shooting and stabbing each other left and right way back when, they devised all kinds of ways to wangle out of the conflict. There was, for instance, the well-timed apology, along with the use of guns so inaccurate, it's a wonder anybody ever got killed. We also learned that every duelist needs what you call second, that is, a buddy who's in charge of arranging the details of the event and making sure it's all carried out fair and square. So I asked my friend, I said, will you, Davis, be my second in this endeavor? To which he replied, I will indeed, for I would consider it a singular honor to serve in this matter of conscience. The next day we took my pickup over to Neely's place. On the way I asked Davis why he was dressed as he was. For you see, he was wearing red velvet knee breeches, striped stockings, a ruffled shirt, a powdered wig, and a tricorner hat. It's the traditional attire of an 18th century gentleman, says he, the perfect ensemble for a dueling second, if we wish to be historically accurate. But where did you get those clothes, asked I. From the attic, says he. And why were they in your... never mind. With more pressing matters weighing on me, I pursued the question no further. We arrived at Neely's split-level ranch, which is indeed the biggest house in town. A fact he insists on driving home with a big lawn sign that says, Sproggett Estate. Mean moments later, his wife, Bella Ronda, answered our knock at the door. Now I will say this, she is indeed a handsome woman, but her natural beauty was spoiled by red rouge, which is, as I'm sure you all know, the color of Jezebel. She also clattered when she mo moved, owing to the considerable collection of bangles and baubles hanging from her wrist and neck. Why, Farmer Gray, says she, what a pleasant surprise. And Davis McClyde, what interesting livery. Are you dressed to sell raffle tickets? No, ma'am, says Davis. We have serious business with your husband. Oh, says Belleronda, then let me fetch him. And so she called out to Neely, who appeared wearing tan shorts and a black short-sleeved top. Howdy, says he. I was just trying on my new polo shirt. A hundred and thirty dollars from Maison Castune. Worth every penny, let me tell you. 
I want to look good for that Caribbean cruise we're taking next month. But what are you dressed for, Davis? I'm dressed as second to your opponent, says he, for the upcoming duel. What, says Neely? You still on about that? It's a matter of honor, sir, says Davis. However, combat is not inevitable. If you do not wish to engage, you may simply apologize and withdraw your claim. What claim is that, asked Neely. The claim, says Davis, that Elspeth Gray, beloved spouse of Farmer Gray, is, quote, a bit loco, unquote. Oh, says the other, but all I did was suggest that hiding in the storm cellar for two and a half years is a little cuckoo, that's all. At that I gritted my teeth, for he had now doubled the insult. Then you do not apologize, says my second. Neely responded by looking at me and saying, Well, I am sorry, Farmer Gray. Sorry, I mean, that you're married to a woman with certain mental health issues. And with that, the offense had been multiplied threefold. He's breached the point of no return, says I in a low growl. So get to the choice of weapons. Very well, says Davis. Mr. Sproggett, since you have been challenged, you have the choice of weapons. And how do you wish to proceed? Uh, says Neely, I guess I have a pistol. A right fine one, too. A forty-five caliber Heckler and Koch, semi-automatic. Set me back near eight hundred dollars. Sorry, says Davis, but if you're using pistols, only smoothbore flintlocks are, are allowed. Well, says the fella, I'm afraid I haven't got such. Do you have a sword, asked my second. No, I haven't got one of them either, says Neely, who then queried, Do you, Farmer Gray? I whispered in my friend's ear. Turns out no, Davis tells him. So I guess we'll have to think up some other kind of weapon. When we do, I'll call upon your second and arrange the details. I don't have a flintlock, I don't have a sword, and I don't have a second, says Neely. But next summer I will have an in-ground pool. You have to have a second, says Davis. Those are the rules. Well, all right then, says Neely, who then called out, Jakey Joe, come down here. A tall, lanky young man in a Mississippi State Bulldogs t-shirt lumbered down the stairs and stood next to his daddy. Oh, man, says he, looking at Davis and seeming confused. I didn't know it was Halloween again already. Can I go as a ghost this time? This ain't Halloween, says Neely. I've been challenged to a duel, and I'm appointing you my second. Okay, shrugged the boy, who amazingly asked no further questions. We'll be in touch, says Davis, and we started back to my truck. Oh, and Farmer Gray calls Neely. Say hi to that crazy wife of yours. I turned back and lunged towards the fella, but Davis caught me round the waist and held me back. You'll settle with him like a gentleman, says he, and in the end have the last laugh. So I jammed down my rage and drove away. On the ride, Davis and I batted around ideas for weapons. Guns and swords were out, so we turned our minds to other instruments of destruction. Baseball bats, suggested I. No, says Davis. You gotta stand back to back, walk 20 paces, and then let loose from your position. The only thing you two will be doing is waving bats at each other three dozen feet apart. I guess we could throw rocks, says I, but that seems undignified. Plus, my throwing arm's not what it was. It was later that night that I got a telephone call from Davis, who sounded quite excited. You ever hear of the movie Footloose, asked he. I said I had not. Really, says my friend. With Kevin Bacon in a town without dancing? Who in a what, says I? Kevin Bacon, for heaven's sake, says Davis. 80s heartthrob, now a well-respected character actor? It brings no bell, says I. Be that as it may, says my friend. I was watching it tonight on the DVD, because it's just great. 
And there's this scene where our hero, Mr. Bacon, and another boy play a game of chicken. And they're using guess what? Not cars, not trucks, but guess, get this, tractors. Can you imagine? That's great, Davis, says I, but I've still no intention of watching it. No, no, says he. I'm thinking of the duel. What if you and Neely came at each other with tractors? First one turns yellow and veers away and loses. Hmm, says I. It's a thought. Let's run it by the old braggart and see if he's got the nerve. Sure thing, says Davis. And he did, too, contacting Neely's second, Jakey Joe, who said, I don't believe Daddy has a tractor. Well, says my friend, has he anything tractor-like? To which the boy replied, we got a riding mower. And Davis, he knew I had one, too, having borrowed it on more than one occasion. A duel with riding mowers, says I, when Davis had run it past me. Well, though it has not the cachet of pistols or swords, I suppose it will do. So it was that Neely and I agreed to meet upon the field of honor, i.e. his lawn, that Saturday. The hour of dawn was proposed, but Neely said he tended to sleep in on weekends, and mid-morning was no good because he had to go to the hobby shop in Zero County to pick up odds and ends for his youngest boy's school science project. He's building a talking weather map, says Neely. I'm sure to, he's sure to win the highest grade in class. So we settled on high noon as the hour of confrontation. Davis showed me showed up at my place around 11, wearing another mystifying getup, this time with a long curly brown wig, gold knee breeches and stockings, tunic with ruffled cuffs, and a long satin coat. Again, says he, in keeping with the spirit of the occasion, I wear the garb of a 17th century French nobleman. All right, says I, as we loaded my riding mower into the back of my pickup, and I did not even ask from whence he'd acquired such garb. When we got to Neely's, Jakey Joe was putting oil in their lawnmower. Take care of your equipment, says he, and it'll take care of you. Very wise, boy, says I, with some admiration. A John Deere E-180, 50, 54 inches, says Neely, as he emerged from the house. 2,800 bucks. I see you went with the Troy-built pony. Uh-huh, says I, as Davis and I unloaded my machine. Well, says my foe. I suppose it's a good enough budget model, if not quite up to the deer. And I remembered all over again why we were fighting this duel. Neely's wife and four other boys appeared with lawn chairs, sitting in line to watch the event. What you dressed for this time, says Neely's better half, referring to Davis's garb. I sport the attire of a high-born 16th century Frenchman, says Davis, for as you know, France was once the veritable dueling capital of the world. No, says the mother of five, I did not know that. Neither here nor there, says Davis. Now on to the rules. Then he stood at Neely's mower and walked a straight line across the grass. The combatants, says he, will begin 40 paces apart. So Farmer Gray, you will begin here. I rode my machine over to where he had placed himself so that Neely and I faced each other from a distance. My motor hummed and so did Neely's as I fixed a look of determination on my face. Davis, meanwhile, moved to a point midway between us. The first man to veer from the on other oncoming mower, says he, will forfeit the right to claim he is the best wife in town. Do you agree, gentlemen? Yes, says I. Agreed, says Neely. Very well, says my friend. And with that, he removed a silk, silk handkerchief from the sleeve of his fancy French coat. Get ready, says Davis, holding the hanky twixt thumb and forefinger. Get set. Then after a second's pause, he drops the cloth and shouts, Duel! 
With that, Neely and I shifted into forward and made for each other. We were going all out, the two of us, each traveling at just over five miles an hour, lawn trimmings blasting from our grass shoots. Go get him, shouted Neely's better half, as his boys cheered him on. Do not stray from the path, Daddy, called almost valedictorian Palmer Lee, for Farmer Gray is a piker, and he will not stay the course. Well, such insult only made me more determined to carry the day. Closer and closer we came, the green chassis of the John Deere shining in the sunlight, its black grill threatening like the maw of some mythical beast. Determined as I was to prevail, Neely seemed no less resolute as he came straight on, budging neither right nor left. The distance between us melted away. Thirty-five feet, twenty feet, ten feet. The air was filled with the sound of angry engines as the boys cheered loudly for their paterfamilias. Five feet, a few more seconds, and we missed each other entirely. Seems we weren't lined up quite right. So even though we both kept to a straight line, we passed each other by a good foot and a half. With the two of us now on opposite sides of the lawn where we st- from where we started, Davis took charge. Gentlemen, says he, do either of you yield? No, says I. I do not, says Neely. Then have at it once more, says Davis, with each of us now facing in the opposite direction. There was nothing for it but to put our mowers in reverse and come at each other backwards. And as it turns out, that makes it doubly hard to judge the position of your opponent, so that shortly thereafter we had passed one another again, this time by at least three feet. Gentlemen, says Davis once more. Do you? No, I don't, hollered I. Me neither, shouted Neely. And we began our third approach. But so determined were we to aim accurately, we overcompensated at the wheel, and before you know it, we're chasing each other in a circle. Come back here, knave, called I. You come back here, cries Neely. Then I'll show you what for. So wide did the circle of pursuit become, Neely's wife and boys got up and moved their lawn chairs a good ways back, so as to avoid losing a foot to the approaching machines. I'll bump you like a bumper car at the county fair, says I. Then we'll see who's got the better spouse. You don't scare me, replies Neely. There's no power on earth gonna make me say I ain't got the top wife in town. Not you, not any... Whoa! My opponent suddenly stopped his mower so that I did indeed smack right into him, giving us both a jolt and denting my grill. Neely, meantime, was staring in horror at the grass, which was now full of bald spots from repeated cuts of our blades. That's right, folks. We had, in our zest for combat spoiled what he'd long bragged to be the best lawn in town. A second later, he was off his mower and on his knees, running his hand over the exposed dirt. I give, says he, you win, Farmer Gray. Yours is the finest wife in Trubo. Then with tears in his eyes, he added, just don't hurt my award Kentucky bluegrass, $299.95 for a 50-pound bag of seed. At that, his missus stood up from her chair and shouted, Neely L. Douglas Sproggett, are you selling me out for a lawn? I'm sorry, dear, sobs he, but it's our welcome mat to the world. How's anybody going to know how great we are if our grass don't show it? Fine, says his better half. If you love our yard so much, you can just sleep on it tonight. Then she headed into the house and slammed the door, the click of a lock following. Gosh, says I to my sad and broken foe, I didn't mean to foment marital discord. I only wanted to defend the honor of that great woman who is my wife. Oh, says Neely, she just gets this way sometimes. Does your Elspeth ever get that way? Not that I recall, says I. 
Then truly, says he, she is the best wife, not just in town, but the whole Tri-County area. And that, folks, is all I wanted to hear. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 